Oh, and it's got the little, it's got the like ribbed for his or her pleasure um, chain stay guard. They teach you the way and they can explain why. Brought to you by maple syrup flavored jelly. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. This is the 25th episode we've recorded in the glorious year of 2018. Tonight's show is brought to you by Taco Tuesday. And it's not Taco's vagina. It's not Taco's the food. It's Taco the dog. So with that, we have a lot of great stuff. We have a ton of questions. We have a lot of stuff that we've all been doing. And with that, we're going to dive right in to this whole heap of listener donations. And oh, man. we're going to rally through those. And uh, we're going to go from there. So Jesse Bell of Maine gave $25 with a note. Here's 25 middle fingers for y'all. Keep doing what you're doing. And Dave Alper from Colorado gave 25 with a note. Please read. Love the podcast, Boulder County, not city resident. Love AR-15s, fuck the city of Boulder and their nanny state overtures. <laughs> uh, like Jason it. Garcia of Texas. So we got, we've gotten 25 middle fingers, 25 dicks, uh, all kinds of stuff. Jason Gar- Garcia gave 25 with the note, great show. So that was much more normal. Uh, Ron... No oh. one who listens to us is normal. Oh man, this is one of those like really, really upper Midwestern, like old Native American roots names that I'm going to totally butcher. So Ron K of Minnesota gave fifty dollars. <laughs> uh, you gotta try it, Konieska. Konieska, Konieska. I bet you're close. Or is it Konet Koniskia? I think it's pronounced. No. I think it's pronounced A A Ron. All right. Uh, Ray Wynn from Colorado gave $10 with a note. Unfucking believable. I hated this show at first. I thought Matt was an elitist fuck turd, but now I know he is not an asshole, but just an ass. And I met Ray in person and I filed his wife's crank. Um, Jay Cable of Alaska gave $25 with a note. Thanks to the podcast. I think two of you guys work at Absolute Bikes in Salida, a friend of mine. Uh, did the tour divide this year, and apparently Eric of your shop helped her out with some minor bike issue. Thank him for us. Will do, Jay. You are correct. And then Bean Elliott, we read his question in the last show. He's from Tejas. He gave $25 with a note. Love you guys, or love your guys' show for the entertainment and knowledge. Keep it up. So that's our show donations. And then I'm going to go first because I'm going to go short. Uh, we haven't recorded recently because we've all been very tired, but things are working out. Um, since Leadville, I've been pretty much a useless pile of shit. And I didn't ride my bike very much. My fuel was out with shock problems, but it's back. And now the bike makes some noise. <laughs> that's not the shock. That's not the shock. Well, uh, I took the bike apart to try to solve an issue with noise, like well before Leadville. And then the shock had to go back. And now the shock's finally been sent off and is actually back and long story short i feel like i've been messing with the same noise in that bike for a month because passively i have and i'm just a little annoyed with that bike so yeah um i'll sort the noise out tomorrow probably and then go from there i just got terrified that i never pushed start recording um and then other thing i tried to do is i was going to ride from kenosha to leadville or buena vista or all the way back to salida and I made it Kenosha to Breck. I got hailed upon. Um, I wasn't really having a good time. I was in a very deep hole from overtraining. So I met a gentleman at a gas station. And we went to lunch together. And he ended up camping. He was on a six-week like sabbatical. And he was camping around all these places. And he drove me back to Salida, camped in the yard for a couple of days. And Cody was a real swell. So that was a hoot. We helped each other out. He drove me from Breck to Salida. I shuttled him for the Monarch Crest. Everybody was really happy. So uh, other than that, I've just been working. I hiked a 14er, and that's that's all I got. I don't really have uh, much else to say other than I think Kenny's going to be really excited to know that one of our customers exploded a new Roval wheel today. <laughs> Yeah, that happens with those. Do you know, was it like the highest end one on like a new Epic, for example? Uh, it was the highest end one, but it's on an SB1. Oh, okay. So he bought those wheels like aftermarket. As wheels. Ooh, yep. Yeah. That was uh, 
It sounds like a similar situation under which Bontrager wheels have been breaking. Like he did hit something, but the wheel, like, like one side of the rim fucking exploded. So I'm going to use the, the line from Indiana Jones, I think in the, which one is it? The Holy Grail? Because I happened to see that the other night. Uh, he chose poorly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that was, I sent you the picture of it. And I think you, you asked if it was a Roval. It was the Roval SL. Yeah, they tend to explode. Um, you know, they decided to do that particular layup. Um, it is, it's one of the lightest wheels on the market. I think they went too light. Play stupid games. Win yeah, because they're. Please do not. Can you do me a favor and not say <laughs> that? Why? Because I see a lot of one political faction saying that when another political faction is injured. And it's very, very like weird to me. Uh, so I, I, I didn't see it in that respect. And when I first saw that quote, so I think of the, the, the scene I'm thinking of is it was a, a dude groped a woman and she like apparent, like she obviously knew a lot of kickboxing because she beat him up one side and up down the other. And then her friends who also obviously knew lots of kickboxing, um, also beat him and everyone was just looking at him like, yeah, you probably shouldn't grope women. <laughs> and that's when, that's when I first heard that phrase. So that's what I think of. When so the Roval thing, like that's a 1300 and change wheel set, like 1350 or something like that, or 1320. I don't remember. It's well into the 13s, 29er. And that's with round that's, spokes too. That's not even like arrow lights. Um, so I don't think those yeah. have arrow lights, do they? I'm pretty sure they're round spokes. Well, anyway, you could even build that thing lighter is what I'm getting at. Uh, And I think they did it all in the hoop. And that was just a mistake. You know, 25 mil internal, that light, it's, yeah, that's, so they found the, uh, they found the limit. So congratulations, Specialized, that is the limit. Do, do not go past that. (laughs) So you need to, uh, you need to add twenty five grams back to the hoop. And yeah, I mean, add fifty to each hoop, and then just use arrow lights, and problem solved. Yeah, I think that worked. What do those retail for? They're cheap for what they are. They're two grand, nineteen hundred, eighteen hundred, somewhere in that ballpark. So for being as light as they are, they're reasonably priced. Um, you know, the hubs are meh. They're kind of DT knockoffs. They're made by Specialized, so they're usually goofy end caps, and they have bearings that last like a day. So, yeah, uh, I mean, if you're looking for the lightest wheel out there, if you have an unbelievably light rider and you want something cheap and light, go for that. And if you buy them new, they actually have a decent warranty. So, you know, yeah. as long as you're the original owner, you're probably okay. But they will, they will try to, they play hardball on the warranty. They'll just call everything like a rock strike. Well, what we're we have a plan, and those wheels were purchased on June twenty fourth. So, gotcha. They're really new, and uh, yeah, I'll throw a wheel thing out there while it's on the top of my mind. I built my new wheel set just aluminum, and they're the DT three ninety one. So it's like what I had before, but not asymmetric. But also instead of twenty two internal, they're twenty five internal. So a little bit more modern rim, but still kind of XC weight. I'm just throwing a number out here. I could be totally wrong. I think they're in like the four, the 400 to 450 gram range per hoop. But anyway, I've been raging on those things. Fantastic. No problems, no dings. Some of that might be luck. I don't know. But so far, so good. Great little rim, 100 bucks a piece. It's one of the nicest aluminum rims I've built and ridden uh, as of late. I had a customer today that had six psi in their front tire and eight psi in their rear tire (laughs) yeah i assume there were some some dents in the wheels uh these carbon wheels had no cracks oh wow it's just obvious how not hard some people ride (laughs) so um what's been new with the kenneth oh nothing 
Um, haven't been doing a lot of riding. I've just been busy at work. We opened up another location. So I've been, um, dealing with that a lot. And what part of the, like, where is that? So this one is South and a little bit East. So if you're looking at Salt Lake, we have a store North. We've got a store kind of like a little bit South in the suburbs and then a little bit South West in the suburbs. And then we have one way down South and now we have one kind of Southeast. That's a lot of stores. Yeah, so we got five in Salt Lake now, and yeah, we're doing well. So we're gonna have all all the brands. So we just took in Cannondale. I don't know if we're gonna carry them at other shops. So we now have Cannondale, Scott, Specialized, and Trek. So I will be well versed in lots of things. So there'll be lots of model confusion, and yeah, it's a lot to keep up with. But it's pretty cool. That's a lot of big brands, you know. Outside of Giant, that's basically all like the big brands which is pretty cool and pretty rare for a single shop. We don't currently have all of those in a single shop Um, just because, you know, there's territory rights and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, pretty cool. So I'll have lots of opinions on lots of things. What's that? Are you in need of people? I am definitely in need of people. So if you are not a shithead uh, and you want to work full time, then talk to me. How would they get in contact with you? Uh, full face Kenny at mountainbikeradio.com. And same goes for if for some reason you want to be in Salida instead of Salt Lake area, email me, Matt at mountainbikeradio.com. We need people. Um, no shitheads allowed though. That's a great, that's a great slogan. Yeah. I mean, I'm not looking for a wasteoid guy who wants to be a bike bum. Like, that's not what we're about. We're a pretty pro company. And you got to work and we want people to work full time at the same time though. This is the real deal. Like this can be career stuff. Um, so if you're good and you can bring it and you might need to work, work your way up a tiny bit to prove yourself because you know, unless you are a bona fide, unless you're a bona fide badass and have proof of that, like we're not going to pay you $20 an hour right out of the gate, but you can get there. So sick. Um, anything else going on? No, that's about it for me. All right. Well, I'm going to open. There's some new bikes and stuff out. Um, Scott's got the Ransom 170, 170. That thing's pretty bro. I saw that. I I think they did a good job with it for what it is. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll own one. Yeah. It it looks cool. I mean, if you're you're into that kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to ride a Yeti SB150 on the 20th. I'm going to dealer event this year for the shop and... Yeah, I'm going to ride the new 150 and maybe something else. Who knows? Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I forgot. I looked at that Ransom the other day, and I, I I remember looking at like one of the things with it and thinking, damn, they did a, they like did it right, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> the one thing about it that's interesting is, from what I can tell, it's got a 44 offset fork on it. Yes. And 170. That's Isn't that weird, or is that not weird? No, that's new. Like So the new Ibis Ritmo... The new Yeti SB150, they're finding that when they make these bikes go to the moon on travel, they're actually shortening the offset to help shorten the front center some to make the bike not so terrible. Okay, well, that makes a little bit more sense then, because I definitely would still argue that on most bikes with reasonable geometry, say in the 120 to 140 front travel ballpark, that 51 seems to be pretty nice. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing 51 on my bike. Me too. Yeah, it's a 130. I'm also eating Pop-Tarts right now because I'm white trash. Save one for me or a part of something. Whoa. Are they, I'm looking over at my computer, at Matt's computer. They got all kinds of things going on right here. Oh yeah, that was one thing you can adjust. They have like a ramp control on the rear shock. I thought that was kind of cool. Like if it works, it like in concept, it's really cool. Um, you know, it could be one of those things that just totally fails on most bikes right out of the box. So, oh, it's got the <clears> little, would, it's got the like ribbed for his or her pleasure, um, uh, chain stay guard thing. Yeah. That looked nice. <laughs> I mean, it's just chain bikes. Like companies are getting better at doing that kind of stuff in a little bit more, I don't know, smooth manner. For sure. It's, like, you know, it's a little nicer. we're doing all the small things, you know, making, swapping out parts, that little bit easier and making cable routing that little bit better and cleaner. Um, yeah. I like to see the attention to detail and stuff that like really matters 
which is cool. So really interesting. Head tube angle is within is the same or a little bit steeper depending on which bottom bracket setting you do you use as a new SB150. And the reach on extra large matches also. Yeah. That's like the new hotness is like the super long travel 29er, which what companies, I know Niner did that a long time ago. What was the travel on a WFO? Mm, back in the day, I think the WFO was like 150, 150, or obviously you could play with the fork, but I think it was a 150 rear bike or maybe was it 140? It was right in that ballpark. Yeah, it was, you know, that was like their big bike. Who else was doing a longer travel 29 or wasn't like lens or something? It's funny because like, well, especially with Yeti, because Yeti, in case anyone has forgotten, I'm just going to keep bringing this up every time they release a new 29er. They once, their first 29er, they called the Big Top because they said that 29ers were clown bikes and they were making fun of them. And now that's where they make their money. So I just think it's kind of funny that all of a sudden, um, these companies who maybe kind of like poo-pooed that idea in the past are now making big 29ers. Not that I don't think big 29ers are bad. I just always kind of thought they were fun and cool, but you know, like no one thought they were cool until big companies start doing it. Well, the industry also probably shit its pants and was like, Oh, these actually work. Yeah, exactly. And as much as we shit on Niner, they were probably not the first, but one of the original long yeah, 29ers. I don't email me, Matt, Matt at mountainbikeradio.com. Tell us how wrong we are. Tell me what the first big travel 29 was. Cause you have to remember at that time, we were still like Liker bros and rode hardtails. So. <laughs> we lived in Memphis where long travel bikes didn't really make sense. And even here, like a 170 fork on a 29er, like that. That bike isn't fun. No matter what the brand is, that bike's not fun until you're going hospital pace. So it's still not really relevant to where we live in most of the riding that we do. I want a Rocky Mountain Instinct BC 70 edition with a 170 fork. So bad. All right. You do that. What else is going on? Should I talk now? No, you said new bikes. Any other um, new bikes? There's, this, there's the Fox Live Valve stuff we could talk about. Mm, cool. I didn't really read about it, so you'll just have to... Uh, Basically, the the 20,000-foot view is it is electronic lockout from Fox front and rear, um, which they've had before, right. but basically before it ran on a kind of a piggyback yeah. on DI2, and it was basically just an electronic on and off. It didn't really have any other brains. So the whole idea behind this one is, and I haven't written it yet, this is just reading shit online. But basically, it'll be on a few new Scots and probably a bunch of other bikes as well. Um, it actually has a brain box with accelerometers in it, and it'll actually change your damping curves and your lockouts based on uh, what's going on. So instead of being a physical brass mass that moves around on a specialized brain shock or fork, for example, it's doing it with electronics. So we'll see. Uh, the battery life seems to be super bummer because I guess there's a lot of active stuff that happens there. Like you're going to get a few rides out of it. And then you got to charge it. It's not going to be the six month DI2 situation. So that maybe is sketchy. It's really short. Yeah. But I mean, that's not that much. Or what happens when you leave it on? Like, I don't know. I take 12 hours as they say it's 12 hours. So that means that it's eight hours, which means that then you like leave it on or before and after. And then all of a sudden it's two rides. Oh, and I took 12 hours to mean it was 20 hours and they advertised 12 so they could like, when you got 14, you were really excited. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the case, but it's just not like a month long system. So I want people to like realize that, but I haven't ridden it or owned it or anything like that. Uh, but it's got some actual brains in it and you can actually like tune the brains, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm very interested to see like what the breakaway is and all that kind of stuff. If it's going to be kind of notchy and clunky, like the brain stuff uh, was in the past. Now, granted the brain stuff, the fork hasn't, but the rear stuff has definitely gotten better. Um, yeah, we are, we are in the fucking future. What's well, really awesome. You talk about future. Um, so Marley goes to work and like, you can shift DI two. Like, especially if you shift <laughs> the like front a, derailleur. the front derailleur, like the big, like, 
like Marley like turns his head and like starts twitching his ear around like, dude, dude, there's like a mouse in here. Or he something. thinks it's a squeaky toy. Yeah, he likes it. So that's pretty cool. I like it, too. Sometimes when I'm riding, I just make dad two noises. Me, 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 me. Will you move your desk for us so we can hear it? Oh, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> He's got a DI2 desk. Oh, man. Um, what else is going on? So That's all I got. I mean, if Andrew wants to go, we should probably jump into questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I went last week, uh, kind of part of the reason we didn't record, it's because last week I went for, was it last week? What's today? Sunday? It was this week. Still, no, I guess Sunday means it's a new week, so it was last week. Uh, last Monday. In the last seven days. <laughs> in the last seven days. Uh, Matt dropped me off at the Continental, the place where the Continental Divide Trail intersects uh, Wolf Creek Pass, uh, which was a highway. Um, and I started heading north on the Continental Divide Trail and hiked to Stony Pass, which is um, near Silverton, probably about I don't know, 10 miles outside of Silverton, Colorado. Uh, It's about 86 or 87 miles, depending on what you're reading. And I hiked that in three full days. And then the fourth day was like three quarters of a day. I was really finished by around like 3.30 p.m. on the fourth day. So um, I guess according to most people, that's a pretty like over 20 miles a day is pretty stout for hiking. I thought it was. Um, I mean, I didn't really think it was that hard. Uh, the only issues I really had while I was out there, I, I had awesome weather. I was really surprised by the weather. I didn't even get, I got like four raindrops on me the first day. And after that, it was gorgeous. Um, it was cold at night, but I was also camping. I think my lowest camp was around 11,300 feet. Um, average elevation for the trail was probably somewhere around 118 um, I got some blisters. I'm going to lose a couple toenails. Um, all in all, that was pretty great. Oh yeah. And accidentally, um, so since I've always been or almost always been like a, a biking athlete, I have never had to put sunscreen on my ears. And, um, turns out if you don't have a helmet on that's shading your ears, you need sunscreen on your ears. And I, Got like second degree burns on both of my ears. I got blisters and now they're scabbed up and it's, it's really itchy and painful. But other than the blister, that, like the blisters, that's yeah. Like other than that really sucks. And it was like the night. So it happened on Tuesday. So Monday it was cloudy Tuesday. It was like full sun. And I was hiking through a bunch of like a burned area and like an area with a bunch of beetle kill pine trees. So like not a lot of shade. And it really was like, it was hours of that. Like I got out of kind of like hiked up from my campsite. And once I was out of the woods, it was probably like three or four hours in like full on sunlight before I was back under any type of tree cover. And yeah, like that night, like my ears were sore. I was like, Oh, I got a little sunburn. And the next night they were like more sore. And then the next night I was like, Oh, why are my ears so swollen? And I squeezed, like the back of my ear and it popped and I was really, it, it hurt so bad that like my eyes watered up and I pulled my buff up around my ear because I didn't know like the amount of liquid that was coming out of it because I was camping and I didn't have a mirror and I kind of fell back asleep for a second and I woke up and I moved my buff and it like pulled the scab off again and like it made my eyes water up again because it hurt so bad again so uh that was um really that was probably the worst part that and another time the place where i wanted to camp i got to this overlook for a really nice camping spot and i looked down into the camping spot because it had been on my map it was like you know at this mileage in this spot there's a, a good camping area with a flat spot and a fire ring and i'm like cool and i got really close to it and there were two moose hanging out there. And I don't know if you all know about moose, but um, they're they're not really nice animals and they're not afraid of humans. 
And if humans mess with them, occasionally they kill humans by like trampling them. So I wasn't about to try and scare the moose away. So I just turned around and went back to like the last place I saw that was a good camping spot. So, um, yeah. I mean, other than that, I didn't get lost. I saw beautiful scenery the whole time. Uh, the San Juan Mountains are amazing. Like they're, I'm used to like most of the time when you're in the mountains, like all the mountains kind of like look the same, like they're made out of the same rock. They kind of like have the same characteristics, like steepness and just general like mountain stuff. But like the San Juans, it's like you get to a, a group of mountains, like you go over a pass and it looks one way then you go through some woods and you go to the next pass and like, it's totally different. Like the rocks are a different color and a different material and like they're laid out different. It's just really, really cool. Like it was, I mean, it was one of the best experiences I've had. Like it was amazing. So um, it's kind of like going on any kind of a trip for that long and being away from people. Like I, the third day I didn't see any humans face to face the whole time. I saw a couple of people like in the distance that had their campsites set up like way off the trail. But like just being away from people for that long is pretty, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like it's, it's really cool. Uh, you know, you can do a lot of stuff like you can do yoga, you can meditate, you know, you can do a lot of stuff like that to kind of like get your brain under control and like calm yourself down, reduce anxiety and everything. But like going hiking for four days in some place where you barely have any other human interaction. Like that's like hitting the force restart button. That's like the, the holding the power button down for 10 seconds on your, on your brain. Like you don't have any choice, but to just kind of like chill the fuck out. And it's really cool. So it was, it was a great trip. I'm real happy. I did it. I want to do it again sometime. I want to outside. I want to plug something. Okay. I don't remember when it was, but Apple released a new version of their podcast app. And I'm not really a tech guy. Um, I don't really care about stuff. Um, Like I run Garmin's because they work and I know how to use them. And I've had an iPhone for forever because my first smartphone was an iPhone and then I wanted another one. And well, I already knew how that one works. I got another one and I buy quirks because they work. Um, But the one a while back, they updated iOS. And then the next version of the podcast app was just like. It was like you were drunkenly stumbling around inside of this app trying to figure out how to make something work. And I know that that's true because I have my old phone isn't on the new operating system and can't be. And it still uses the old podcast app. And it's like very intuitive. And you're like, beep, boop, boop, download this for later. Beep, boop, boop, play this. Beep, boop, boop, delete this. And then the new one is all like vague and like you push here and then you push here again. And then, oh, if I push here, like it's not like intuitive at all. Um, And I downloaded Overcast. It's a podcast app. And it's intuitive as a motherfucker. Uh, it works really well. It's slick as shit. And if you hate uh, Apple's iOS, download that. It's free. No one's paying me to say this. We haven't sold out. Uh, for real, for real, that shit's good. Uh, it just works. So, um, yeah, there you go. There you have it. That's your that's your tip of the week. Uh, if you hate your Apple podcast, and uh, the the little thing that like really like catches me. I think is Apple Podcasts actually advertises with a bunch of the podcasts that I listen to. And it's like, you made your new app so bad. Like it started after they changed it. I'm like, your new app is so bad that you had to start like, like a new advertising thing to get people to use your shit. So that's all I got on that though. Was that supposed to be about my hiking? No. Oh, Okay. That just seemed really random. No, I thought about it while you were talking about your hiking. Okay. I'm sure there's other shit that I'm forgetting about, but it was, it was really awesome. Like if, even if you don't have mountains like the San Juan mountains to go hike or bike or whatever in, like if you can just take any kind of a trip where you have just like the minimal stimulation for several days, it's, 
I think would have pretty much the same effect. Like it, it's just awesome. It's really cool. And I got a lot, like the people I did see, I saw like a few hunters. Um, it's archery season right now. So I saw several people who were out hunting. Um, and then I saw like three other hikers maybe. And they were like, Oh, you're out here by yourself. Yeah. Like, wow, that's hardcore. I'm like, not really. I'm just out here walking by myself. Like how often do you hear about people getting like eaten by animals out in the wilderness when they're by themselves? Like it's not, it's not really a problem. Like that doesn't like, what do I have to be afraid of being by myself? Really? I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing except what's in your own brain. People like to be scared of shit. Otherwise they're not happy. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we can go questions now. Yeah. You want to, you want to make questions? Let's make questions. Let's make questions. Oh, did you get the one that someone had emailed in about lights? I emailed them back. Okay. Um, we're going to go through these rather quickly. Um, can you read some? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Did I send you the, I sent you that link, didn't I? Um, let me check my I'm going to read the first one and then we can go from there. Okay. It's been a week at work. I'm really tired of talking. Um, Adam S says, Hey, Jerry friends. I wanted to add some tidbits about the blueberry shake consistency consistency that is formed with some people's tubal setups while using finish line. I too had the same thing happen. Sealant turned from a silverish liquid to something that resembled, well, a blueberry shake. Being curious, I contacted one of the finish line or someone of, eh, I don't know. I contacted one of finish line for more information. And here's the response I got with the sealants from our early tested testing. We had all indications that the product would last the life of the tire. But after the worldwide release, we started to see some anomalies. Some tires, especially in warmer weather. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's some funny shit. Yeah, we didn't actually test it. And we put it out in the wild and realized that we fucked up. <laughs> some tires, especially in warmer weather, will experience a change in the sealant. This change is due to the varying porosity of different bike tires. Simply stated, some bike tires are thinner and more porous than others. With our formula- formulation being polyglyco water-based, we're seeing some evaporation with certain tires. Consequently, we'll be updating our label to rely to relay a little softer message than last the life of the tire. With most tires, it will, but some maintenance may be required. No fucking shit. <laughs> so the moral of the story is if your tire does not leak at all and is not porous at all and the sealant never touches oxygen, it will last forever, which is the complete opposite of what it's fucking supposed to do. You can address <laughs> the change by topping off the formula closer to the original fluidity or it is possible to add a bit of distilled water to reconstitute the formula. <laughs> if you want, you can remove the old sealant and replace it with new, but that is not necessary. All For- yeah, because all old all bike shops have a bucket of fucking distilled water around. Regarding the blue hue, it is a result of the dye in tires and should not affect the performance of the sealant or the tire. Hope this helps with any any future questions regarding the finish line sealant. Thanks, Adam, for sending that over. Uh, and as we all suspected, Finish Line can build a time machine, go back in time, and actually test its fucking product, and then make something that isn't a big hunk of shit. I do not have. Ooh, on sealant stuff, Specialized now has in-house sealant. I haven't used it yet, but I don't know. I smelled it, and it smells exactly the same as the Bontrager and Stan stuff. Like ammonia? Yeah. Yeah. However, I still stand behind that Like Stan's works pretty damn good. There might be something out there that in one instance works a tiny bit better, but like I've been running stands for 10 years and it fucking works. Yeah. I kind of like orange seal better, but I don't think stands is terrible and none of them are going to be effective in every single situation. All right. Next question. Don Shiggy has something about self sealing tape, the self using rubber tape. The stuff has been around for at least 15 years. I've been using it almost as long, not just for frame protection, but also great for finishing bar tape. Um, you can also find generic tape in the plumbing section of most hardware stores. Uh, the best trail tire you've never ridden, even if I did design it, is the On One Chunky Monkey 29 by 2.4. Grippy on most surfaces and conditions from hard pack to mud. Chunk resistant tread design, even using the 50-42A compound rubber manufactured by Maxis with a 60 TPI EXO casing. 
Price for shipping to the USA is about the wholesale for a comparable spec Maxis. I hate the name. Um, so thanks, Don, for that. He says, say hi to Scott in time for me. I hope to make it to Vapor next year. Um, and that was Don P. I'm looking Does he work for On One? I guess he designed the tire for On One. Oh, okay. I'm looking at it right now. It's got it's got a price in pounds. Did you find the questions? No. I just shook my head. I don't I don't have that email. Like I don't have an email where I can So Alec F says, I mean that's not really much of a question as much of it is a statement from Don. Two statements. Alec F says, Hey crew, I live in Minnesota. I weigh 195 pounds and 90% smooth flowing trail and 10% Rocky Rudy with drops and jumps like in Duluth or Copper Harbor, Michigan. My current setup is a 2018 Bear Grease from Salsa, which I absolutely love riding. It does everything I want it to, and I even did the Lutzen 69er on it while it was still rigid. I recently outfitted it with a RockShox Pluto and damn, I don't know why I was so down on suspension forks. They make riding way more fun and way faster. I'm looking to build up a 29 plus wheel set for my bike for the summer months and could use some advice. Keep in mind, the main objective is to race the Margie Gessick 100 mile race next fall. What do you think about converting the Bear Grease to 29 plus in summer for endurance rides? I think even if I go with alloy wheels, I'll cut about four pounds or so from the wheels by getting rid of the fatties. Is it worth going to carbon for this wheel set? It seems I'd save a few hundred grams total, but I've never ridden carbon rims and not sure if I'd really notice a difference. I've also heard the rigidity of carbon makes them feel like they accelerate better. Is there merit to this? Do you have any hub and rim suggestions? I'm planning on running a tire between 2.6 and 3.0, depending on what feels best for me. Thanks for putting out an awesome show and any advice you can give, Alec. I think that sounds like it makes sense. I would go with like the i9. Um, fuck, Knox doesn't make a plus rim, do they? Hmm, they have one that's close. Actually, they do, I think. It's called the shit. <laughs> it's not actually called the shit. Uh, <laughs> what is the name of that wheel? I don't remember now. Because the Farlow is the wide one, but it's definitely wider than that. I'll let you know in a second. Continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good idea. If you're going to save four pounds, um, you know, I'm not sure if you're, what wheel sets you're comparing, or I, I'm assuming you have, I'm assuming you know the weight of your current wheel set, and then you're comparing, Kenny, what is that? Uh, some some stupid pop-up oh, okay. crap. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I... I don't know what wheel set you're comparing that to, like wheels and tires and stuff like combination. You're comparing that to when you, you know, when you say you're going to lose four pounds, but if you can drop four pounds of wheel weight, that's pretty, um, that's pretty great. So, so it's called the Kitsuma. Yeah. That's what I was looking at. It's 36 millimeter internal. Mm, why, why don't I yeah. see that? Where the hell is that? It's on images. Oh, okay. Oh, there we go. Cool. Yeah. And that's, is that about what most people are doing for 29 plus? I thought people did a little wider than that for like 45. Any, anywhere between 30 and 40, you'll be fine. But I bet that if he was to run this 36 rim with a 2.6 in the rear and like a 2.8 in the front, it would be like money. I would, well, I would want to run 2.8s or 3.0s on that bike. I feel like the bottom bracket's going to yeah. start getting low with 2.6. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's what I would, I think that's a good idea. I think, you know, if you're, if you really love the bike and you want it just to be a little lighter and snappier, I think that's great. And if you can afford carbon wheels, then go for it. If not, I'm not really sure which plus rim to recommend because any alloy plus rims I've seen, um, have a lot of dents in them. Yeah. They're pretty much made out of cake batter. They're super soft. Kenny, any recommendations? Mm, No, not really. I kind of have seen the same thing, like those WTBs and stuff. They're just, I don't know why. I guess they just tried to make them too light. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's the wrong alloy. Like they never crack, but they always dent. So I don't know. And the only broken plus rim that I've seen in carbon has been that Bontrager one, which judging by other people's experiences, the Bontrager wheels are prone to that. Yeah, they tend to explode if they touch things. Yeah. We had another one at the shop in the last two weeks. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They warrantied it though. You know, that's it's like the specialized ones. It's kinda like, well, we 
we know you're going to break these. So when you do, we'll just go ahead and send you a new one. You have that link now. It's in your Facebook now, finally. Okay. Hold on. This is some dead this is the longest. This is the longest nobody has talked ever. We'll just cut it out. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, fine. Keeps people on their toes. It makes some guy in his car like just get nervous for no reason. Oh man, this text is so small. My computer's really slow. <laughs> like I'm, I, sc- I hit the little scroll wheel on my mouse and it takes a second for it to translate to my computer. Are you still running that like Sony Vio from when we were recording six years ago? Yes. Oh, really? I was joking. No, not that white computer. It was replaced like this computer was like. I did get this computer in Memphis, though. Uh, okay. I found I'm at Don Chiggy's question now. And it on the on one website, it does reference him as the creator of this tire, that tire. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so we're going to this is from Goof Hall, um, Andrea, and I guess Matt and Kenny, too. Thanks for the advice on Dynaplugs. No joke, this is the best $27 I've spent on a pack item. On our annual mountain bike trip, we rode South Boundary Trail, Angel Fire, Taos, New Mexico. The last few miles took us through a pretty good Nar Garden, and one of the guys in the group had a sidewall pinch flat right at the bead. After witnessing the three-minute stands bukkake of him trying to shake, spin, and tilt the wheel into ceiling without success, I whipped out a Dynaplug kit and fixed it in less than 30 seconds. Even on a non-tubeless tire, it stopped the leak and he was able to ride the last few miles. My only complaint is the kit I bought didn't have a way to trim the excess, so I'll be adding a small X-Acto blade to the kit to remedy this minor issue. Goof. Texas, y'all. Yeah, I don't know if you really need to cut the excess other than just um, like right away. I mean, I don't think you have to cut the excess off, but I think you could probably do it and get home and then just grab like a little pair of scissors or something or an exacto blade at home. I mean, if it bothers you, sure. Carry a blade with you. I don't care. All right. So but you're welcome. Goof. We're going to go to the next, next one. Uh, Nick P says, just thought you guys should know there's a 48 piece McNugget bucket. But Japan only for now. <laughs> what? They get the coolest things in, in Japan. <laughs> you guys should open up a shop there. That would be sweet. <laughs> I heard Kenny's wheels turn there for a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. There's a lot of stuff to go. Um, I'll read another one because that was super short. And then Andrea can do the next one. Oh, I can see you clicking on stuff on my computer screen now. Anthony says, I started listening a few weeks ago and it blown through all your podcasts that are available on Spotify. Enjoy your show. Thank you for the late nights and hard work. My question is, I live in Fallbrook, Fallbrook, California, a.k.a. San Diego. All the rides here are loose over hard. I'm originally from Washington State. Riding is much different. I've run into climbing problems here on every ride. I'm not sure if the tires your technique. Washington is very forgiving when you pedal like a monkey, seeing as you maintain solid traction. Here it is different. I'm 6'2", 210. On a 2018 Rockhopper with fast track rear tires and ground control front tire. PSI is 25 to 50. And I have my front set at 35 and rear is just below 40. Any tips? Appreciate it. PSI is 25 to 50. That's what he says. Running 40 in the back. Um, Any tips? What does that mean? That's a really (laughs) big range. It's it's like saying I ride and there's sometimes air in the tires. Sometimes my pressure is a little low and other days I feel like blowing the tire off the rim. <laughs> so, so my serious question to him would be, is that a two, one or a two, three? And is it the new Krypton compound or is it the old one? So we're going to go, we're going to keep going. And I think a lot of stuff is going to make sense. <laughs> By the way, my saddle really hurts my ass. Any suggestions on a comfy functional saddle? Also, it's probably cause you have 50 PSI <laughs> in your rear tire. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to quit being a smart God ass for a Let me finish. <laughs> All right. Also, I'm running three by eight baby gears. I'm not advanced in any way. So NX, GX, X1 and XX1 are out of the question. But I'm curious if the decent gear is set up better than three by eight tourney, preferably two by for a decent price that you suggest. My shops is going to charge me 250 for install regardless of the setup. So cheap and functional are my friend. 
Thanks for any tips and tricks. I really dig this show. $250 for a drivetrain install? Keep on keeping on, Anthony. So, sounds like Anthony's a very new rider. And if for, fuck me, $250 for a drivetrain install? Oh my gosh. And I think what we can do in this- He could ship his bike to me. I'll do it in my garage and ship it back to him for less than that. That's insane. I think the best thing that we could do is maybe help Anthony realize that what he should do is work towards finding a better bike shop to work with locally and by that what i mean and what would be very helpful is i don't think there's really anything wrong with the gearing that you have and i think that if you do have to pay that much for installation plus components you're much better off starting saving towards your new bike fund and to tackle the question of what kind of tires and whatnot you have i'm assuming that rock opera is running tubes and at 210 pounds i think 32 or 30 in the front tire and 30 to 35 in the rear tire should be sufficient however do anticipate to get a pinch flat at some point as far as the saddle hurting your ass you should find a bike shop that has a saddle sizer and potentially demo saddles and work with them to find something that you find to be comfortable. Because he sounds like he's really new. And if you've been riding for a long time and you have these questions, then continue having fun riding your bike. And I, I think that you just aren't very technical. So, Yeah, I think, I mean, loose over hard is definitely a challenging um, surface for traction. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with your tire pressure, for sure. You probably, I'm guessing if your bike has three by eight, um, it did not come with tubeless ready wheels and tires. So I'm not going to tell you to go tubeless. Um, I'm also not going to tell you to buy a new wheel set and set of tires for your bike, because if it's a bike that came three by eight with tourney, uh, it's probably a very basic bike. Um, I would do what Matt said, um, try just running a little bit less pressure. Some of it is going to be technique. Uh, it was just a few weeks ago that we had someone complaining about spinning their rear tire on climbs. And we kind of described how you can, um, you know, if you stand up, you can kind of hover your ass over your saddle, like shift your body weight back. Um, just keep enough weight on the front wheel to maintain direction and control. If you really, really, really want to upgrade your drivetrain, uh, I do think $250 is a lot. Uh, I would go with the new NX Eagle would be your best deal, I think, um, unless you have a freewheel rear wheel. Um, uh, it shouldn't be on an eight-speed mountain bike, Yeah, adult-sized mountain bike. Yeah. I mean, it probably isn't, but if it was, you're just getting into a lot of money because you'd need a new rear wheel. But you know, as long as you have a, a splined free hub on your rear wheel, um, the NX Eagle would be a really good match for that bike. And I think would just, you know, kind of simplify things and give you a good range of gears. But, you know, like Matt said, I, I wouldn't, it's not a bike you want to put a lot of money in. It's a bike that you, you ride and you have a good time on. And then you say, I'm ready for something new and a little bit nicer. And you work towards that. More silence. What I'm trying to do is figure out which, uh, which, which bike shop that is. No, I'm trying to figure out which bike shop is closest to him. Um, uh, there we go. Yeah, you should just go to the path. Um, <laughs> like, seriously, if you've been a mountain bike radio fan, call the path, talk with them, explain what you have going on. Like, if you're being charged $250 for a drivetrain installation, then... Maybe you should start by finding somewhere that has like a much cheaper installation cost, which will open up your drivetrain budget a lot and allow you to afford something like NX 12 speed, which is now coming out. So what would you guys charge somebody for a drivetrain install? Hold, please. Matt's a service rider. Do you want me to uh, read the next question while you add? Oh, no, Matt's doing fast math. Because <laughs> I'd like off the... Off the cuff, I would charge in that ballpark of a hundred bucks, but it might be quite a bit less than that. I mean, even if you a la carte every single one of those things, like twenty dollar crank install, you know, this and that, and add all that stuff up, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm guessing he's looking at like a bottom bracket install, a crank install. Ninety bucks. Yeah. So in that, if if a shop is charging in the range of a hundred dollars for that, that is very normal. If it shop if a shop said one fifty, I wouldn't even like be that bummed or upset by that. If a shop said it was fifty dollars, I would be almost concerned. So yeah, hundred bucks. I mean, if they said if they did it for one fifty, I would also expect like you know maybe to like wipe the fork stanchions off a little bit and you know kind of dust it or or if you bought all your shit online and a shop charges you 150 bucks to put it on that's pretty reasonable yeah. but if you buy everything from that shop and they charge you 250 dollars, they can go right ahead and go fuck themselves or you said if someone charged 50 you'd be nervous if they were like hey let me go ahead and order all this stuff but you. if you bought it all from them and it was 50 bucks i'd say that's very that's pretty smart and pretty reasonable. So yeah, anyway. And the other thing to consider is on this rock hopper, you may have to buy brake levers. Um, so you might be adding brake work into that because the brake and shift lever may be mated together. So that could be accounting for some of the cost, but probably not an additional a hundred and, and housing, maybe probably not an additional a hundred and six. I'm talking, I'm talking straight labor, like actual labor dollars to do that, forgetting whatever parts they quoted. Yeah, if that's much over a hundred bucks, that's insanity. Well, I know the joke I was trying to make is if they're upcharging you one hundred and sixty dollars over my cost for installing brake levers, they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. So um, seriously, I mean, I get it; it'd be a drive, but like, if you could work something out on the phone, and you know, or maybe just call them and try to get California prices. Say, hey, uh, that dickhead Matt from Just Riding Along told me to call you and waste a bunch of your fucking time. Um, <laughs> Tawny's going to like sigh into the phone audibly and be like, your balls are on the phone right now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's all that I have for him. Uh, can you read the next one? Yes. From Brock. This is from Brock S. Hey guys, I live in the black Hills, which is similar to Salida. in the fact that there is a ton of us forest service land to explore by bike. I am starting to dabble in bikepacking both on the gravel rig as well as the mountain bike. I know Andrea and Matt have been doing lots of overnight adventures by bike. Could you guys talk a bit about your bikepacking setups, what you think is a necessity and what is nice to have, as well as your favorite methods of carrying a load on your bike? What is the appropriate amount of maple syrup to bring per day out? Side note. I have been riding and racing a 2017 Rocky Mountain Element since last October, and I'm loving it. It is a super fast and capable race bike, especially with a remote lockout and a 160 dropper post. So capable that I've been riding it full-time this year as a trail bike, and my 150 millimeter altitude has been gathering dust. Since it can carry two bottles, I have finally been able to get away from riding with a pack and will never look back. I just wanted to give my experience since Matt has been talking about the Element lately. Relative to my question, though, the front triangle is massive and would fit a frame bag really well. There is a company out of Spearfish, South, South Dakota called Dirt Bags that makes custom frame bags I think I'll be using. Keep on keeping it real. Brock Smith. Things you have to have when you go bikepacking. Um, probably wouldn't take maple syrup. I would take gel <laughs> because you can get caffeinated gel. And I don't carry a stove. And... I've never done multiple day trips. I've just done like short overnighters, but I don't carry a stove. I always carry a puffy jacket and I like to carry a bunch of salami and cheese and crackers and, and an avocado to eat for dinner. And that's pretty much it. That's all. Where is the black Hills is in that, South Dakota? Yeah. That's what I was going to say in one of the Dakotas. It's in South Dakota, the black Hills and the Matahe are like buddies. Okay. Um, so unlike Matt, I like to have, I like to have a tent. I do have a very small tent. What? You just looked over here at me like you about almost broke your neck. You're just clawing at the bottom of your foot. It's Sorry, gross. it's itchy. <laughs> My feet were in shoes for so many days. <laughs> anyway, um, so I like to have a tent. I have a Nemo Hornet one-person tent, which is about the smallest one-person tent that you can possibly get. They do make an even lighter version that's like 50 grams lighter or something. Um, but that's the one I use. Um, I do carry a stove. Uh, I have just like a little, um, a very small titanium pot 
that fits um, a fuel canister inside of it to carry um, with like a little screw on the top of the fuel canister thing. And I basically boil water and eat freeze dried stuff. Screw on the top of the fuel canister thing is a tiny little like fold out stove. Yeah. Not a little screw on the top thing. No one, <laughs> you, you left out the part that it makes the fucking fire. It does. It directs the fuel out of the fuel canister into a thing that can hold your pot with your water in it. <laughs> and make fire. It makes fire. So, I mean, you could make fire if you heat that, just that fuel canister up enough. You would have a very violent <laughs> and short fire and it probably wouldn't boil water. <laughs> So I like to carry the amenities, um, but I do have light stuff. Uh, so basically my setup is, I'll, I'll try to go through it quickly. I put my sleeping bag, which is a big Agnes Zirkle 20 degree ultralight sleeping bag. They don't make that one anymore, but I'm sure they make something similar to it. I carry that um, along with some... Um, like my rain jacket, like spare clothes that I might need while I'm out on the trail that goes in my dry bag front roll. Um, on top of the front roll, I have an Oveja Negra lunchbox um, that carries just stuff I might want to eat or use while I'm riding uh, phone, camera, snacks, whatever. Um, I have a, if I'm on my hardtail, I have a Revelate frame bag where I keep a two liter platypus water reservoir. Um, I keep like my toiletries and repair kit and like emergency stuff in there. Um, oh yeah, that's also where like the freeze dried food kind of rolls up and sticks inside of. And then I have a seat bag, uh, the Oveja Negra medium sized seat bag. Um, I think it's called the Gear Jammer. And that has my. Let's see, what do I put in there? I have my layers in there. I have my tent in there. Like my nighttime layers, the stuff I put on to sleep. I know I'm forgetting some stuff, but I can always like go through in a little more detail in an email if I have to. And then my stove goes into a like a large water bottle shaped holder thing on my down tube and hangs out down there. Um, if I need to carry an extra bottle or anything, I also have like the little, I like the Revelate um, bag. Oveja Negra does make a bag that goes like between your stem and your bar and your fork, like in that area. Um, I, I like the Revelate one better because you can use one hand to open it and close it. Um, other than that, I'm a big fan of Oveja stuff. I'm sure dirt bags is good too. And it, since you have that big front triangle, uh, you basically, you know, you're going to carry the same stuff, but you may pack it a little differently just because you have um, a big front triangle and a, a custom frame bag. Kenny, you've been bikepacking lately? Uh, no. Okay. Is that all of our questions? No, we have like 500 more. My voice is getting tired. Yeah, I've actually moved to sitting down, so ign ignore my DI2 desk. We can... Uh... We have like a bunch more stuff and we could do like a question update at some point later this week because I'm, I'm done. All right. We're an hour in of recording. Everyone's voice hurts. And, um, <laughs> and Kenny's just playing with his desk. Oh, God. I need a video of that fucking thing. Yeah, we do need a video of that. Oh, we didn't tell anyone why this week is Taco Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So for those of you that have held <laughs> out for this entire episode. This week, we have Taco Tuesday, um, because when I got back from my backpacking trip... Hold up. People don't get this. We always record on Sunday nights, so oh, it's yeah. Sunday, so right two now days from Sunday. now. Right now, it's Sunday. So I got back from my bikepacking trip, on, or sorry, backpacking trip on Thursday evening, very late, and then Friday. Um, I actually felt pretty good on Friday. The sleep deprivation didn't catch up to me until I was at work yesterday, so uh, I was feeling pretty good. I went to the Regional Humane Society, which is Arc Valley, short for Arkansas Valley, like the Arkansas River Valley, um, to the Humane Society uh, because they had a dog there that looked really awesome. He's a Border Collie mix. Uh, his name is currently Oreo. 
He is about a year old and his previous family um, found out that they just didn't have enough time to dedicate to a border collie, which is um, that happens with breeds like border collies. So he was at the Humane Society and I went and met him and took um, our dog Marley up there to meet him and they got along just fine. And so I have signed uh, his adoption papers. He's got to wait till Tuesday because he's getting a rabies shot from the Humane Society vet, which comes in on Tuesdays. So um, I did ask Twitter and Instagram for suggestions on a different name because I'm not really fond of the name Oreo for various reasons. Someone on Instagram, um, sorry, I don't remember the handle right the second. Someone on Instagram suggested taco. And I think that's really good because not only does taco sound similar to Oreo and that it ends with an O, uh, that is also what I happened to go and eat immediately after signing up to adopt him. So Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. I will be getting a new doggie with the middle name. Sorry, Jake, super fan Jake suggested something that I said was going to be his middle name for sure. And I can't remember it. It's extra amazing. Good doggo Supreme is his middle name. And his last name is Wilson. Boom. There you have it, guys. This has been an episode of Just Riding Along. Just can't need to add anything other than a shut this bitch down. <laughs> shut it down. All right. You heard it from the man himself, the bouncer, the enforcer, the fullest of faces. Kenneth Charles, shut this motherfucker down. We take you to market to sell, bruh. Now you can afford the bike that you want, the job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now shit getting rough. You're thinking that you need to sell all your stuff. When it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike. Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side. Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better. Maybe then you make a cheddar instead of looking like a lame ass. And if you get confused, you can ask J-R-A. Get hip to the name, cause they be the realest If you sucker, it's lame, it is a shame But that's why you listen to J-R-A